Amen. And thank you, Sumi, for leading us in prayer and in uh, the reading the psalm as well. And let's continue with that attitude. Search me, O Lord, and know my anxious thoughts. That is the prayer of the psalmist. Uh, I really want to thank everyone for uh, reading the psalm before the service. And if you have meditated on it, uh, it would have really, really benefited you. We are going into the ministry of the word now. Though I had shared a scripture passage for us to look at today, I did not assign a person to read it. But it is important for us to read it. So I'm going to read it for you. The a portion of what we already assigned. That's found in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 4 onwards. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock as it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm going to speak on a topic which is not directly related to this passage, but it does have some references to it, as we will see later. I was really, really, I think God spoke to me the day before yesterday on Friday as I was speaking along with other speakers on the 100th centenary of the first the death of a hymn writer who came to Kerala uh, about 130 years ago and wrote hymns for Christians of the burgeoning Christian community and uh, some of his hymns are translated into 21 Indian languages. And people in Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, Telugu, Hindi, and they all sing some of his hymns. And um, after 100 years after he passed away on 21st May 1921, there was a meeting where his contributions were remembered. And people really thanked God for that. Again, I started reflecting on this. And then I also thought about another person, a great apologist. He was everywhere, all over the media. And uh, he was considered to be one of the great men, very famous man. I'm not going to name but you might have already guessed whom I am talking about. Within a year of his death, his anniversary, first anniversary, was also last week. First anniversary, not the 100th anniversary. But within that one year, there was an inquiry about 
some allegations. They found that he did horrible sin and his website is completely blank. There is no mention. His own organization is withdrawing his books from the market. They're taking away his YouTube videos and this man's name has become a something shameful. Nobody want to remember his ill repute within 365 days of his death. I think God led me to reflect more on this. Why one life, Christian life, ended in a disaster? Why one life is still being impacting people and being celebrated? It is still impacting people. People still sing his songs, experience the presence of God, they are edified. They use it in the worship. What's the difference? To be frank, I don't know specifically what went wrong or what went right with these two lives. This particular life, I don't have enough knowledge about it. But it's all about, say, greater truth, general truth. What specifically went wrong is not my concern. What happens generally is the concern. Christian life is a journey. It has a beginning and it takes a course and it has a culmination. It has a destination. It's a place where it is going through too. One reason why lives end in disasters is because they have a wrong starting point. They have a wrong reason for beginning a Christian journey. And they have taken definitely a different route, a wrong route. And because of their wrong beginnings, because their courses are different, wrong, they definitely end up in a destination which is disaster. I just said that I will uh, use uh, uh, Christian life as a journey. But I would like to shift to another metaphor, which could be much more easier to understand. That's an agricultural metaphor, a metaphor from agriculture. And um, in the Bible, agricultural metaphors are a pl a plenty of agricultural metaphors. Bible talks about seeds, harvest, figs and olives and... Uh, harvesting and sowing and winnowing. Our Lord Jesus used it, prophets before him, the prophets used such metaphors. And after him, the apostles like Peter, Paul, they all used all these metaphors. So I'm picking a few metaphors, this larger metaphor of a plant, growing plant. And at the same time, drawing it from the Bible how the, our Lord and the apostles used it, even the prophets used it to illustrate what happens in a, with a Christian life. Why? In Christian life, 
the beginning and the end really matters. Where we are set to go, that matters. Simply put, the trajectory matters. The course through which we move, that is very important. First of all, Christian life begins with being sown. S-O-W-N. Sowing the seed. The passage that I read today, just now, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 4 to 8, talks about the sowing of the word of God into the hearts of men and women like me and you. He talks about the, the word being sown and how each heart received it. Some fell among thorns and the thorns as they were growing chopped the seed, the word of God that was sown into their heart by the preacher, by the word of, by the, by the, from the Bible study, from the Sunday school, from wherever you heard the word that was chalked, it didn't grow into a plant. Some were, fell among the road, the pathway, and it was trampled underfoot, never sprouted, never turned into a plant. Some were sown onto a rock by the side by the uh, by the side of the field, and since they were parched in the Mediterranean sun, never had sprouted nor had any root. But some, the positive thing is, some fell among good soil, hearts which are clear and pure and receptive. Some hearts which wandered were looking for the and prepared for the seed to sprout. There was moisture enough, there was sunlight enough, and there was shade enough also, probably just enough, everything in the right proportion in the right place. The seed that fell among good soil, it sprouted and became plants. All other soil, all other seed died dried up, choked, trampled. They were destroyed. That is where the Christian life begins or should begin. The word of God that brings repentance, the word of God that makes us aware of Christ and his offer for human salvation. The word of God should fall into our hearts. Now, a critique of the culture. Many people don't start their Christian life there. With the word of God in their heart, which sprouts and grows into a plant, strong plant, because their hearts were receptive to the word of God. Some have turned to Christ because they saw a miracle. Some have turned to God because some need was met. They had a different starting point. 
they started a christian journey they thought they they joined a crowd they joined a crowd and started the travel like the 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 pilgrimage that we see in pune the people who are going to the temple starting from somewhere in the road i forgot the name of the people people join them from their houses as the procession moves from one place to the other from their village to the temple people join them people join them but they may not have all the starting points may, may not from the starting point by the way they start midway they started it christian life there are people who join the church lateral entries who doesn't have a beginning with christ they don't have the word sworn into their hearts i don't want to mince words i don't i'm not going to preach to please people my only one person i have to please and that is the lord who has called me into his service i'll fear nothing but let me ask you as a pastor with kindness and mercy with all humility brothers and sisters can you say that you heard the word that is how your journey began you heard the word you received it and it allowed to grow in your hearts or did you join or begin the journey because your father or mother had already halfway through or your friends were going to church you joined it and you learned some hand tricks or praise and worship even preaching exhortation and you are managing start with the word come for the bible studies study the word if you if the time doesn't suit you at least read the scripture every day and allow your heart to be sown the be the seed to fall into your heart read at least for 15 minutes the scripture take hold of one verse at least or a one word if you, even if uh, minimum hold it in your heart for a while contemplate it in, enough so that in the warmth of your heart it takes root if you have a heart that is like rock which doesn't allow the scripture to take root so that you forget what you read within 3 hours or you get into concerns and worries and the day's busyness and it is choked in that we have a starting point i urge you in the name of the lord to start to have enough seed in your heart christian journey begins with seeds that be the word of god sown into the heart a second aspect is those who have the word of god sown into their heart and allowing it to grow a second metaphor is being planted Now the word of God says in uh, 92 Psalm 92 verses 13 I think 
It says, those who are, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Uh, I think I should read that to you. Psalm 92, 13 onwards. Psalm 92, 13. And it says, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. This is about the righteous people who fear the Lord. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is rock and there is no righteousness in him. The basic concept that I would like to take from here is the being planted in the house of the Lord. It's important to be part of a community. Now, let's go back to the example of the plant. The seed that has grown become a plant, become a small plant. It needs an ecosystem. Every plant thrives in an ecosystem. An ecosystem is its relationship with other plants, soil, water, and air. Everything has to work together in such a way. That is what we, what we call an ecosystem. The leaves nourishes the soil. The leaves become dry in an in a, in a ecosystem and they fall and they become manure for other trees or these own trees. The roots make it stand straight and upholds it. So it needs soil to run its roots down. And don't ever think that a tree's roots support itself in an ecosystem, in a forest, in a garden. Trees support each other. Tree A, X, its roots spreads in such a way that it supports other trees as well. Scientists have studied the redwood trees in California. And you can look for Google for it in redwood trees root system, the cross sections. How each redwood tree support, their root systems support each other. It holds the soil so that when it, when it rains, the soil doesn't erode. So all of them, all the trees have enough soil to support themselves. The branches provide shades for the smaller trees to thrive. A tree can only survive in an ecosystem of mutual support, dependence. That is what exactly a community, Christian community is. Take, for example, the early church who gathered in Jerusalem. They shared their goods. And the word of God says there was none who was in need among them. The community supports. For that, we have to be planted in the house of the Lord. Barnabas, a good example. 
He had land in the island of Cyprus. He sold part of it and he brought it to the church. He uh, took his cousin, sorry, his nephew, under his wings, young man called John Mark, maybe his brother's son. And he is the one who became a disciple of Peter and gave us the second gospel called the Gospel of Mark. Supporting a young man, caring for that person. And when he heard of a man called Saul, Paul, who had become a Christian, he left Jerusalem, bought a ticket all the way to Tarsus and brought, looked for him in the busy streets of Tarsus and finally brought him back to Jerusalem, to Antioch. He was an encourager. He disagreed with Paul, true. They went in two different ways to evangelize. But they were each, they commended each other later. Peter encourages his readers to Paul's letters. He was not an enemy. And he spoke for the Gentiles who came to the Lord, supported them in Jerusalem. The house churches, independent house churches in different cities, they exchanged the letters that the apostles wrote to them after reading the letter in Philemon's house, Ephesus. They read uh, in Philemon's house in Colossae. They exchanged it with the church in Laodicea and took their letter and also read that letter or the book of the Bible and praise to God. They grew. They were thriving because they were planted in the house of the Lord. It's not enough that we become believers in Christ and we have a lonely journey, a lonely existence for thriving, for growing. We need to be planted in the house of the Lord. This is why we need to see I ask people, why are you not coming for Bible studies and prayers and all that? Some people have good reasons because it clashes with their jobs and other things. I understand that. But some people give me funny answers, funny replies. They say, Pangala, our pastor, I'm studying the word anyway. I am following that teacher. I'm following this YouTube channel. I do that and all that. See, but the question is, are you drawing your sustenance from the soil that we all have shared with each other? Or are you planted in the house of the Lord here or in some other house of the Lord? That depends. That determines how we travel together. Once in a while, at least very rare, very rare, I should say that. Uh, there are different types of before I say that, before different types of plants, some are fence sitters. They don't belong here and they don't belong there. They are not planted in the community. They sit on the fence, undecided, skeptical. Some people are potted. Though they are good soil around, they would like to sit in the little pot, isolated from others. They don't want the nourishment from the community. All that they need is the nourishment from that little pot. 
And once the nourishment is over, they wither. Some people are tabletop plants. Now you have these little pots you can get where you can put the snakes, small miniature snake plants and decorative things and put near your uh, workstation. You may have that sometimes. The Chinese bamboo, small bamboo things and put in a beautiful porcelain or a brass planter. Yeah, they are ornamental pieces. No use otherwise. Some people, as, as I said, very rarely, sometimes people leave the church. Some people get transferred to another place, so they go. Some people get jobs somewhere else because they became as students, they go. They have to return back to their countries and all that. But there are sometimes people just disappear. We don't know where they are. Some are polite. They come and say, Pastor, I'm leaving. What is the reason? They say, no particular reason. The reason is that, I know the reason, because they are bored. They are bored. They have seen the same face and same ugly face of the pastor again and again, heard him preach and sometimes rebuke and sometimes say things that are not very pleasant to hear. So it's time enough. They say, leave. They come and say, we are leaving. So I say, bye. Sometimes very, 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 very rarely, some people send a protest note, angry notes, and say, I am leaving. And that also happens. That's all part of life. We don't have to worry about it. But my question is, to all these people, is, what difference would your absence make if you were never present in this place? If you never contributed what God has given into your heart, like godly thoughts, you never were there. You never contributed by your presence. You came uh, half an hour before the service was getting going to get over. You were never when we went for a picnic. Were you there? No. You never came for a potluck when we were rejoicing in each other's presence? No. Then when you leave, how is your absence going to make a difference to the rest of the community? My challenge is, my aim, goal is not to criticize anyone. My, it is a challenge. We have to learn wisdom. Are you part of this community in such a way that when you have to leave for any reasons, maybe you are married away into another church, that you got a good job somewhere else in another city you are moving, or something has happened to you, your life, will you be missed in this community? Will other trees say, oh, wow, we miss him. Miss that tree. That is how a community life being planted in the house of the Lord is tested. Evidence is, will your absence make a difference? When you are cut away from this forest, will small trees say that if that tree were there, I would have thrived in the shade of that tree. Community life is to be living that way that we nourish, protect and care for each other. Otherwise, we could have lived isolated lives 
in somewhere in a cave in Himalayas and come out only when the Lord returns and calls your name. But the Lord will never return for people who lived in the caves all alone from other saints. We are called to be part of the community. That is God's provision for us. A third aspect of this metaphor that the Bible tells us is growth. We need to grow. We need to be sown. We need to be planted and we need to grow. Now here I have to shift the metaphor a little bit. From agriculture, I would like to move to biology, human growth. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about this metaphor of a body and the different parts. In chapter 4 verses 15 to 16, he talks about the different ministries that are provided in the community. Prophecy, tongues and uh, encouragement and speaking and all that sort of ministry. God has appointed people in the church with different gifts. You can see a similar list in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. And what is the purpose of these ministries? The purpose is that we will have unity. Let me read that passage, Ephesians chapter 4, 15 to 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. Underline that word, grow up in every way into him who is the head, the Christ. From whom the, head, the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly. Make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body grows. And later, earlier, that, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit has clear, clarified that it is not just the body growing. It is the individuals growing. Verse 13 to 14. Until we all attain, I'm reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. I am repeating the references again for those who have a notebook to take down the notes on the sermon for future use. Let me read. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, each of us grows to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, growing into likeness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That is one reason why we should have a community. That is why we should study the word together and pray together. Otherwise, you will be deceived by every YouTube channel possible. Because you don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe. I believe whatever comes handy. Whatever comes first. Whatever I have access to. 
If that is what happens, if all of us believe different, different things, there cannot be a unity. We cannot grow into the maturity of Christ. That is why we should be sown with the word of God. We should be planted in the house of the Lord, in the community of other believers, and we should grow. Back to the metaphor from natural science. See, imagine a forest. Again, the forest is made up of trees. If all the trees are isolated from each other, there will be no forest. There will be no community of trees. A rich, thick forest means strong trees. Unless there are strong trees, the forest cannot be thick, rich. Everyone has a responsibility to grow. Everyone has a responsibility to grow. Yes, the pastor has leadership has a responsibility to help you grow. Help everyone grow. But it is individual responsibility to grow on their own. Unless we grow, we will be a burden on others. We will be weak. Only if you grow, we can protect others, we can help others, we can encourage others. If you are all weak, then we will all vanish. We will become a barren place. If some are strong and some are weak, which is possible, there's a possibility of growth. But even the weak trees has to grow. That is how, that is the dynamics of the church. You, we are not coming to church to hear a good sermon. If the days of listening to good music is gone, because even when Wilson was singing his heart out today, his frequency of his voice and the frequency of the, the different strings of the guitar were not singing. It will not sing unless we have some other technology. So however beautifully people sing, we are not going to benefit from it now for uh, music as an art. But we are to grow, growing by the word, implanted word of God. That is what James says. The word is implanted in us. I have preached about it, so I'm not going to repeat it. And the word that is implanted in us grows. Then we are transplanted into a community where we thrive and make others thrive. Then we grow to a full stature in order to make a community strong, in order to make each individual strong by contributing by spiritual gifts. The next one, an agricultural imagery still is being fruitful. This is a forgotten doctrine in the Bible, I think. Very, more, not many preachers I have heard emphasizing on this aspect that God has called us to be fruitful. But that is the central message of the Bible. 
It is found in the Old Testament and it's also found in the New Testament as well. Why it, it is needed? Fruits, a tree, a plant should produce fruit. Why fruit? Number one, fruit is the proof of what the tree is. I like planting. I like cultivation. Even in that limited space in my Pune apartment, I use I, I, I encourage planting and having fruits and all that. Proof of what the tree is is in and in, in, in his fruit. Jesus said this in his own way in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Verses 15 to 20. I think we need, I need to read the whole verse, all the five verses. So please bear with me as I read it. Matthew's Gospel 7, 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Right. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? No. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. It cannot bear a bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit too. Nor can a diseased tree Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It provides proof. Are you a good Christian disciple or a bad one? It's evident in your words, in your actions, attitudes. We all fail. But consistent behavior is evidence that we don't change and our fruits are bad. Second aspect of fruiting is to be useful. The other day, one of the groups that I uh, turn up or attend, one of the businessmen, but who also partly interested in uh, agriculture, he said, this was wonderful. Others were talking about how to make a profit out of the agriculture. So this man was, he's also rich and has, but he's doing farming for fun. And he said, I don't worry about birds and uh, other animals eating my fruit. I'm not protecting them. He said, I want, I welcome birds and uh, animals to help themselves to my trees have the whatever fruits they want and have their fill. And I, after I have enjoyed what I need. So he plucks a few mangoes, maybe a one or two jackfruits once in a while and leaves the rest to ripe on the tree so that the crows and the sparrows and the other birds can feast on it. That is usefulness. Tree bearing fruit and being useful to others that they can feast on us. They can feast on our abundance. Have you ever thought of a Christian life like that? 
if the hearts are, there is implanted word in us, and if you are thriving in a community like the community of the redeemed or any other church where there is thriving possible, and if you are growing steadily and is fruitful, useful to others, our abundance, probably sometimes God enriches with the word of God. So that Saturday prayer meetings, when you come, you are so rich, so strong, full of sap, vitality, that your heart pours out and others find strength in it, comfort in that word. That is the fruit. There are two sources of fruiting, but they are all, both are same. Jesus said, one source is a constant, a continuous fellowship with Christ. And Jesus said in chapter 15 of Guam's Gospel, it is worth reading the whole chapter, but let me read only one verse, and that is 15.4, John 15.4. Abide in me, and I in you, to be grafted together with Christ. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It needs to be attached to something unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. How can you be, how can I be fruitful for others? No tree eats its own fruit. Remember that. No tree eats its own fruit, consumes its own fruit. Fruit is meant for others. That is a constant awareness, being the reality of one with God, one with Christ. It is from him we draw the sap, the life blood, through his blood, through his, that connection, through that grafting, a constant abiding in Christ. Then the wine produces. We are all branches grafted to a stem called Christ. I am grafted to that stem called Christ and you are also grafted. Through us flows his life. Christ's life flows through us into the branches and the sub-branches to every node from which juicy, sweet grapes, clusters hang. Have you ever imagined your life in those times? Can I imagine my life in those times? And same thing is presented in a different way in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul talks about living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. And then in chapter 5 verses 22 to 23 he talks about the fruit of the spirit. A constant walking with Christ, with the spirit, Holy Spirit. I had preached on this also I remember. And also we had a Bible study on this for a few weeks as well. Galatians chapter 5, 22, 23 series. The different virtues, love, peace, self-control, humility, meekness, and the whole lot of nine fruits and more. It talks about what happens when we walk step with the spirit. Walking in the spirit means marching with the spirit or step by step with the spirit. When the spirit puts one step, left step forward, feet forward, 
put forward. We, those who walk in the spirit, put our left foot forward. When the spirit stops, we stop. When the spirit turns left, we turn left. Such people are guided by the Holy Spirit. Wherever they go, they fruit for God and for others. But there is another type of growth also the Bible that talks about. Bible talks about the useless growth. Lushy trees. They're lush with green leaves, lots of branches and no fruit. Some have fruit. Hebrews chapter 6, 7 to 8 talks about such people. For a land that is drunk, the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for those sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But it bears thorns and thistles. It is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. There are plants. They thrive. They are green. They are leshy. They may have fruits. But they have their briars and thorns. Worthy to be cursed and to be burnt. It depends on one, where you are planted. What seed is sown? What brought us to the Lord's side? Is it shallow miracles? Is it some promise of prosperity? Is it some assurance of healing which may or may not have happened? Or is it the living word that gave birth to the inner man in you and me? Am I producing good fruit? Am I providing comfort? Am I providing encouragement so that others will grow and thrive? And together we will grow into the likeness of Christ. Is that the vision I have for life? Or something else? Am I a good wine grafted to the stem that is Christ? Or am I a thorn or a briar that grows in barren lands? Take a stock of your Christian life. We'll all pass through this land only once. We are not going to come back. We will not have a repeat. We will not have a retake. It's important to live cautiously, carefully. Now, I come to my final aspect of the, 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 the planned imagery. That is the final stage of being gathered. You know, every plant has to be harvested. If, has, if it has fruit, if it has some grain. Now, the Bible also talks about gathering. That's what happens at the end of life. I'm again shifting the metaphor because I need more than one metaphor to understand this. Just a quick scripture verse passage that I would like to point out is 2 Thessalonians 2.1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. 
So note that expression. What happens to Christian lives and every, every believer? There is a day when they will be gathered together to him. This is not an agricultural metaphor. This is like gathering every people to a person, Christ Jesus. The end of our life or end of our life is death like anyone. But there is a gathering of us. We'll never be lost as particles of ash or eaten by the worms in the, in the soil. Whatever happens to our body, mortal bodies, there's a day, the Bible says, we'll all be gathered to him. We'll not be lost. We have a life beyond the grave. And that is like, if you allow me to extend this metaphor, is being harvested to him. He comes to pick his own. He comes in a, in a time when nobody knows and he will gather all who belongs to him. It's like a shepherd. We are not familiar with that image, but Europeans are. They, the shepherd whistles and the sheep that belongs to him, they come to him, leaving other sheep behind. The whistle or the flute of the shepherd, the sheep hears that voice. Their ears are actually tuned to that frequency and they will just gather around him. That's the hope we have. The hope that expunges all fear of life in, in, in our life. What has happened to consequences and not everything is completely purged when this hope is allowed to take control of our hearts. If it dominates our, our thinking, we will be gathered like fruits are gathered, like sheep is gathered around its shepherd, owner, master. We have a day when we will also be gathered. Yesterday, I, last week when I preached, I said this. And that's our goal. And that's our hope. That's what we are doing. That is where we are going to end. But as I said in the beginning, we need to have a proper, a proper beginning start with the word that is implanted, which we receive in faith and love for God, which we cultivate in a community of believers by living together, believing together, uh, working together, sharing together. And then we grow and try to bear fruit for God and for others. And finally, we wait for our gathering to him. That is one way of summarizing the whole life. That's one way of also challenging ourselves. Am I in the right course? If not, it is time to come back to the same course. 
have the word deposited in your heart and allow it to grow allow the community to contribute to your life be part of our life together don't be potted or be a tabletop christian don't sit on the fence it like the fungus that grow on the fence which will dry up in the summer heat we thrive in the community and grow and be fruitful and wait for your gathering never give up that hope one day god will gather me to him to enjoy him who is so much, so far invisible will become visible so far partial like a mirror imperfect reflection in a mirror will be something that we see face to face right beginning that is where that that ensures right course and right destination the stories of people i mentioned earlier our years after we leave we will impact that the impact we have leave will remain it will be in the lives of other people they will say that when i was weak when i was tired when i was so disgraced that i didn't want to go to church when i disagreed with the pastor for a while and i protested there were some people who came after me prayed for me loved me brought me back to the flock when i strayed from the flock for my own reasons my own following my own desires there were community members who brought me back so that i can thrive again probably that tree is no more there but they will still remember the tree a tree that grew out of the implanted word thrived in the community of believers which yielded its fruit that's what we and will be finally gathered to his presence that's what christian life is in a nutshell may god bless you all let's stop for a moment of silence and reflection